Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to Not Just a Hashtag Podcast. I am your host, Nicole, and I'm here as always with mental health counselor, Kristen Torres. Hey, Kristen, how are you? Hey, Nicole, I'm good. Just really glad again to be here today. I want to remind everybody too, before we get started, that everything we talk about is really just for you know informational purposes. It's not considered actual advice that would take the place of your doctor or your therapist, because very likely we may not know you or know your story specifically. So we just hope this is encouraging and informational to you. So yeah, again, glad to be here. Me too. So if you were with us last month, you know that we did an intro episode for what the next three episodes will look like based on the book Search for Significance, which was written by Robert McGee. And if you were not with us, a quick recap, Search for Significance is one of those books that was a huge eye opener for me as it helped me hone into who God says I am and where my identity comes from. So we use this book in the women's healing study that we offer at Trees of Hope. The Shelter from the Storm is the book that we use. And in that book, the search for significance is mentioned many times because oftentimes survivors believe many lies about themselves or their worth, which creates a feeling of deficiency or hopelessness or that the abuse was somehow their fault. And what I have found is in any area of my life that is built on a lie, making me feel inadequate, I will be prone to shame, guilt, or living in inauthenticity. And so that's definitely not a good place to be. And my my worldview will be uh, corrupt, really, or it will be skewed. And it won't allow me to live in that wholeness that God has for me. So in this episode, we are going to unpack lie number one, which says, I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. So this is the lie of perfectionism or the lie of I must perform to be considered worthy. So this was a huge problem for me. And before I walked through healing, I found myself falling into this trap all the time. And I still do struggle with it, but thank God it doesn't have that same hold on me as it once did. And one of the most common lies that we believe about ourselves is that we have to perform a certain way in order to be loved, in order to have worth, in order to find our identity. And the way that our culture is set up and the way society works, it makes us think that success will bring us happiness. And in the private moments of my mind, I find myself comparing my story or my path to others. And honestly, it was terrible. It overwhelms me. And it really, this mindset, it kept me bound. And this problem with this way of thinking is that if we're constantly worrying about ourselves or measuring ourselves or the trajectory of our lives against others, 
it will make us self-absorbed and focus on all the wrong things, which is exactly where Satan wants us because we then become useless. We are not focused on what God has called us to do and to be. And each one of us has a unique path and a unique authentic story that we are supposed to use in this life. And when we compare that story or that life or that path towards someone else, we're really just saying to God, what you say and who you say I am is not good enough. I want to be, or you don't know, I want to be what this person is. And I, I, you know, as much as I like to think I'm over, overcome this in my life, it, it pops up a lot of times in various things. Um, I, I don't know if many of you guys know this. I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm a foster mom now. And a lot of times I find myself comparing my story and what God has called me to do with those other success stories that are out there, like of the kid who, you know, came into foster care and maybe became adopted right away or something like that. And I'm like, God, why isn't that my story? You know, the struggles that we've had coming here, you know, all the, the problems that we've had coming here. Why did you take me on this journey if you weren't going to do this? And yeah. what I have found is that God's mercy and his grace and his story upon your life may not be exactly what I've designed it to be in my mind. It is yeah. what he's designed it to be. And that daily submission and surrender is when we let go of our stories and what we think our story should look like. And we submit and surrender to whatever he is asking of us or calling us to be no matter how hard or difficult that is. Nicole, I mean, I think that's so, so hard, right? And so beautiful to do that because I think a lot of times too, our expectations or our visions of our story, right? Or what, or a picture, right? That we have of what things should look like are also um, pretty biased. And sometimes they're biased by fear, right? Or our own insecurities or our, our wounds. Whereas if we really allow ourselves to just have the story that God is, is giving us, it's not biased, but it's not, it, it it's not going to be driven by sin. It's not going to be driven by past wounds and pain and hurts and, and um, fears and all those things. There's a purity to it. You know, now that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, right? Like that God even promises us that we're going to have trouble in this world. And so sometimes our journey looks really, really messy and sometimes really painful. But at the same time, I know that when I dig down deep for myself, I want what he wants for me more than I want what I want for me because my wants for me are biased. Mm -hmm. Just like I was saying, right? I know that I don't, I can't always see and a lot of times I can't see better said, like, I, I can't see what's best for me. I really can't always see that. Um, a lot of times can't see that whether it's past, present or future, you know? So I want what God has for me more. Mm -hmm. I really, I do, you know, yeah. because his plan is better. It's just, we're not always going to understand the full picture. So that's a beautiful thing that you said, you know, that, that idea of surrender and trust, and that takes time to build. So if any of you guys are listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not there though. How can I trust like that? It is one step, one piece at a time. 
And I don't think any of us arrive at perfect trust or perfect faith or any of those things. Just like you were saying before too, Nicole, that the comparison, you notice yourself like coming up for you at times still, right? Um, I mean, it's kind of like, welcome to the club a little bit, right? We, we, I think struggle at different times too with that, like, especially like depending upon what, um, where we're at in our journey, when new things happen, when we find that person, right? That person that maybe maybe we'll eventually marry. Maybe when we get married, when we have kids, all those things go up and down. We may start noticing some of the the comparing or the perfectionist tendencies come up again because we're at a different part of the journey that we haven't done before. Right. And yeah, I love that you reminded us that just because you're a Christian or just because you follow and maybe get on the path because we're going to be talking about, or we did talk about last time about how do you have that new life, right? That new creation. And you walk in that new, that new story. Um, I am going to be the first to tell you that just because you give your life to Christ and you walk, and I'm sure you, Kristen can admit to this too. And you probably have heard this, that it does not make it easy. I will say to you, almost sometimes it becomes even harder, but I don't want to discourage you from doing it. The, The thing that you will have, and I promise this, is the peace and the comfort of knowing that God is with you every day by your side. And that has been you know, on, on that same story that I was sharing about becoming a foster parent, there's, it's messy. It's so messy and it is hard. And there's been times where I have been like, why and where are you God? And how could you bring me here? And why did you do this? And I remember I was just having a conversation with a good girlfriend and I mentioned all this and she cried with me and she was sad with me, like, cause of some of the struggles that we're going through right now. And she just reminded me that although, um, you're saved and although the struggle is hard, you are in the midst of what God has called you to do. And he never said, Hey, Nicole, when you become a foster mom, it's going to be this easy road and life is going to be hard. What he said is, when you become a foster mom, you are going to need me. (laughs) And I'm right here with you. And I desperately need him. And I think I I think it's really important to have those good supportive friends around you who are saying, reminding you, you know, you got this, don't worry, like and and encouraging you through biblical things, encouraging you with big biblical language, and also just reminding you that that the best thing to do is every time you're faced with hard stuff, like for instance, this topic of perfectionism, bring it to God and just say something like, how do I surrender? Am I a perfectionist Lord? And is that a problem? And and if it is, how do I surrender this to you? Mm. How do I give this over to you? I don't know how to, Mm. a lot of my prayers are like that. And it's, you know, and what I have found is then if I go back in my journal and I look back on like the path that I'm on, a lot of them start out like that. And then I start to notice that my language starts to change, which is let make your desires more important to me than my desires. Right. And so I start to change the language and that's not me doing that. I mean, that's God working through me and in my heart. Yeah. yeah, because God promises you that Holy Spirit that's going to be in you, that's going to be helping you sanctify and change your life and and change. 
You can't be the same if you're a Christ follower. You just can't, you can't, you, you know, you, as in things will fall off, newness will come on you and new knowledge, new way of thinking, new way of seeing life, new way of seeing the world and seeing yourself, seeing God. Right. But you may take 10 steps backwards, but you, but God promises you'll, you'll keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very comforting. Oh my gosh, it is, right? And I think when we go when we talk about this lie again that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself, I want to get like even more specific, you know, on this note and how I think really the Lord is so patient and kind and meets us in that moment. And I think your example too of um what you were saying about how you pray, just honestly, like I don't know how to do this, Lord. I don't know how to change this. I can't change it for myself, right? I think it, it's such a beautiful prayer. I think we get stuck sometimes in thinking that we need to even pray perfectly. Like look how often, right? We are just trying to perform. We think we need to meet certain standards to be accepted. It's such an innate way that we think. And I think our society also um, reinforces that type of thinking, right? It's so performance oriented, like even on social media, right? Like perform, 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 perform. We need to be a certain way to be accepted. And that's just not the way it is when we're talking about um, our relationship with the Lord who basically says, I already know that you're broken to some degree, that you are imperfect, that you are sinful, yet I have chosen you. I accept you. That's okay. I'm not going to continuously point out your flaws and, and shame you for those. Quite the opposite. I know everything about you and I still love you. And I promise to never leave you. And I promise to begin a good work in you and I'm going to complete it. Like how amazing is that, right? You know, that that is the God who loves us, you know, um, when we accept accept him. I think some of the the traps, I think that can happen with this, right? Like getting more specific, the most traps that can happen um, with this, this lie is like, if I'm successful, then I'm good enough, right? So again, that's success. If I get that promotion or do the thing that my boss asked me to do, then I'll be considered a good worker and I'll never get fired. And then what happens when you get fired, right? When you did all the right things, if I please my spouse, um, then I'm worthy to be loved in return, right? Or if I always show up for my friends, no one will ever hurt me, right? Like those type of uh, type of things. Like we want these guarantees. In a sense, it's like we want these guarantees in life. We want to create our own security, right? And the problem with that is that if we is that genuine? Am I really showing up for my friend because I genuinely want to be there for them? Or am I doing that because I don't want to be rejected? And it's fearful, fearful, right? Is it basically based on fear? Yeah. And it, and I mean, I know when I'm on the reciprocating side of that and I have a friend who like, I, I know I have a couple of girlfriends who are people pleasers or whatever, however, you know, however you figure that, say that about them. Um, when sure. a person is like constantly your yes guy, even though, yeah. you know, and so I'll tell them, Hey, please be straight up with me. This, I personally, like, for instance, I painted a wall. I remember I painted this wall and I text my friend and I go, I hate this wall. This wall looks horrible. I know it looks horrible. What do you think? Oh no, it looks good. And I was like, dude, 
please just tell me straight up. It looks stupid. No, I think it's very you. And I was like, oh my God. So I said, okay, screw that. I'm texting my brother. So I text my brother and my brother was like, oh my God, that's hideous. Don't, you got to take that wall down. That's horrible. And so I was like, thank God for that guy. Thank God for him because that wall, I mean, I knew she was just trying to appease me, but she, at the same time, I felt, I sometimes struggle with like, I I wish my buddy would be more, she can be free with me. She can be like, she can tell me it looks horrible. I'm not going to bite her head off. I'm actually going to be more grateful when she's her true self. Right. And so, you know, I I, (laughs) I don't, I I have to say that I, you know, just is in this going through this like journey with you like I don't think you always would have said it that way before like that's a really gracious way of saying it like hey I just want her to be more comfortable and free with me yeah that's really beautiful because there's a lot of grace in that right like we it's recognizing that we're all on we're on a journey and none of us have arrived yet yeah you know? and that's what exactly what we're talking about Yeah. And I think also like I get that mirror sometimes where the minute I start to like judge a friend and and my, my mind, it's like, God, I wish you would just be more like honest with me. And then I'm reminded of a time maybe where I'm talking to a boss where I was like a little like wussy about being honest with them about tiptoeing about, yeah, like (laughs) I could have probably stepped up to the plate a little bit more, but I think a lot of the times that comes down to uh a certain amount of respect that I have for somebody at least sure. for me and maybe and maybe that's the way to look at it is my friend wasn't being authentic because she has like a respect for me she doesn't want to hurt my feelings sure. right and and that I, f- I think that's a lot of where it stems from is we just don't want to hurt people's feelings but if we open the door and we say hey hurt my feelings this looks bad right <laughs> right like <laughs> hurt hurt me it's cool dude go for it you <laughs> I'm know? okay with this <laughs> Yeah. And I think like a lot of times that's the message we're running from is that, um, I don't, people don't like me or people don't love me for me. And I think that's the message we're constantly trying to avoid. And I, um, I'm the, I'm an Enneagram eight and Mm -hmm. I, I don't even like follow any of that stuff, but I, which is a what, by the way, I always, it's the the defender or the protector, obviously. Hello. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and so that person's ultimate um messaging that they hear is please don't hurt me Mm. and I struggled with that because I was like that is not my story that is not what I feel I never worry about that but I've I've actually like with a couple of friends recently in conversations that I felt hurt or like wounded by or whatever, I asked myself, okay, what is the message you ultimately heard? And there was a lot of like, um, fluff that I was hearing that was filtered, that was not getting me to the core. And then when I got, when I really broke down, like, okay, but what does that communicate to you? I heard you're going to leave me or hurt me. And Mm -hmm. really what that came back to was that's what causes me to put up that wall even if it's after when I leave them, I start to criticize the conversation and nitpick the entire conversation. It's because ultimately I don't want to be hurt. Yeah. You know? And so I mentioned that because it's just like, why can't I be hurt though? Like, 
what 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 what's the big deal? What's that going to communicate to me that I'm not worthy, or is that what it's ultimately going to come down to? And so I, I guess in front of my friends, there's a perfectionist person that comes out and it's like always happy and always you know positive and we're good and yeah enjoying life like we're living our best life over here at the Escobar house you know kind of thing because what I'm trying to what (laughs) communicate what (laughs) that we got it all together when we don't you Mm. you know so there's only a few people that I can be that true self around and then even after if I say something silly or stupid and or say something or I'm like, oh, why did I say that? That was so dumb. Why did I expose that? You know, because that always happens. I always leave a conversation, even with my closest girlfriend of like, oh, I exposed too much. But I have yeah. to ask myself, why do I care? Why? Why? Yeah. She's safe. She's cool. It's not going to it's not going to go anywhere like you're good. Right. And how many of us do that, by the way? What a good example, Nicole, to like go back after every conversation or interaction and like pick apart. Why did I say that? Why did I react like that? Why did I add that in? Blah, 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 blah. All those things, right? And I think it goes back to like somehow it's, we have this picture in our mind of who we need to be or who we should be and et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's so amazing that ironically, the person who ex- accepts us the most as we are um, and knows who we are and still loves us, right? Is God. Amen. Right. And that's, he doesn't ask for a return. He doesn't take us back to the store. Right, 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 right. Never, ever. If you're his, you are his. And, um, definitely we're going to actually get into that in a second, but I just want to add one other thing, which is oftentimes, we learn that type of messaging of what we've been talking about of you must add up or you must um, be a certain way in order to receive love. We probably learned that when we were growing up in our family, in our homes. And so if you've come from a dysfunctional home, I mean, but even when I wrote this, if, if you come from a dysfunctional home, but even if you've come from a functional home sure. and somehow your family maybe didn't realize that they were teaching this through nonverbal behaviors, or if they, this was a dysfunctional home and they taught it through speaking and, you know, saying words to you that you had to perform in order to be loved or in order to keep them happy. Um, you're going to obviously bring that into your adult life, into your relationships, or even at work. And it got me thinking about like my family dynamic. And again, my family is dysfunctional in its ways, but it's also very loving and super like supportive and, and all that. But my dad, oftentimes, like if I disappointed him, he would retract love or retract um, emotions from me in order for me to feel how upset he was. Yeah, And that taught me growing up that when you're upset, that's what you do. You retract love from people. So I find myself, thank God, Raph does not allow it. But I would like when me and Raph get into a fight, he will be like, I need you to talk to me. What are, what's going on in your heart right now? And I'll be like, I need a moment. Like, don't talk to me. But I, me, I'll go days. I could go, I could go a month and not talk to you and see Raph doesn't fly like that. So he'll like literally wake up the next morning and be like, we need to talk this out. And I, I needed that. I needed that, um, somebody to chase me down, to pull it out of me, to say, we got to get this off our chest. And so it's like healthy pursuit. Yeah. Healthy healthy pursuit. pursuit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think what we just need to remember is that no matter how hard we try, no matter how intense or how perfect 
or how successful we become, if we try to meet um, falsely motivated standards for ourselves, it's not going to bring us peace. And no matter, and, and also the encouragement is, is that you can overcome this, right? So if this is messaging that you've learned through your family unit, no matter how dysfunctional it is, I promise you, you can overcome this and you can change and you can have a new way of thinking. And so that's what we're going to talk about now is how does God answer this, this struggle of the performance trap? And I'm just going to give a couple of brief points, but I want Kristen to explain this a little bit more. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, of justification, the word justification. And I actually, I've, I've heard it before, but never in like a biblical term. And what God's answer is to that performance trap is his justification. And so what does this mean? Well, it means that if you're, if you've given your life to Christ and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You are, God has not only forgiven you of your sins, but he has also granted you the righteousness of Christ, which makes you pleasing to God. So in dummy terms, what that means is if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get a new like cloak like cloak, you, you get a new jacket, right? Your old jacket goes off, new jacket comes on and that's Jesus Christ. And that means that God no longer sees the things that you do. He only sees the righteousness of Christ on you. And because of that, you are then pleasing to God, which means you do not have to do, you don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything. You can just love God and be loved by God. And That's it. Yeah. So Kristen, explain this a little bit more to us, how it, how that forgiveness gives us that justification through Christ. Well, first I want to say I'm not a pastor. Yeah. So I'm going to explain it the way it kind of, you know, I see it and understand it, but you know, it's going to be an imperfect explanation, just like what we're talking about. Right. Um, but yeah, I it's almost like, I, I think what I picture and I, people have done this kind of imagery before, but it's like a courtroom, right. And you're standing in trial, having to explain all the mistakes you've done, every, everything you've done. Right. And Jesus comes up, right. And stands before you and, and says, you know, before you even, well, we deserve death right? We are condemned because of everything we have done. And he comes, you know, in and says, you know what, I'm, I, I take it for her. Like, that's it. Like she doesn't have, like, she no longer has to have the death penalty. You know, I'm standing in for her. I'm going to take the penalty for her. And so that's who comes in and speaks for us, stands in for us, takes the penalty for us, you know, if we choose to accept that. Um, and there, and we're covered, we're justified. We no longer are on death row, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, that is what we once deserved because of all of, you know, what we have done, but that's no longer, that is no longer our story. We've right. been covered. Someone has justified that um, for us. And that is Jesus, right? So um, how, amazing is that and how much does it take a lifetime to probably fully if we ever fully wrap our heads around that the miracle that that is someone actually doing that because how many of us would do that for someone else no and I want to add it is not just I I mentioned this last time it's not when we get our life in order 
that God walks in and goes, Hey, this girl right here, I got her because she's given, she's got her life. Awesome. It's while we are sinning. So the best way that I can explain it is similar to what I said last time, which is my husband, it would be like my husband cheating on me and me going, I'm going to give my life for him while he's cheating on me. Right. That's what we're doing. And it's amazing because not even for a good person does someone give their life, right? Like our soldiers, they die for us. You know, they, they go to war, they die for us and they do all these amazing things for us. That's just an, that's, that's a glimpse into, you know, what a good person is doing for other people that they feel strongly about. Right. But how about while we're in our yuck, that's like, well, the example that you're saying, that's like the judge going Nicole, you're guilty, right? And Jesus walking in and then me looking at Jesus and going, you know, screw you. You don't need to be here. This is mine. I'm taking this and doing all that. And Jesus is going, I still want to do it for her. I love her that much. Yeah, that's a very good, yeah, very good point right there, right? Yeah. I see. So, and the Bible talks about that, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, so how does that, like, how do, does that end up looking practically, I think, in our lives? And that's the, and I think, you know, for some of us, it's mm-hmm. the continuous, for most of us, better said, it's the continuous realization that like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it perfectly. And like I was saying before, right, at each stage in our lives, depending upon what is going on, it looks different. And I think this comes up again and again. Like I know when I became a mom, that performance tendency stuff within me, absolute and perfectionism totally came back around like I it was in a different place I had gotten I had kind of grown from that grown out of that or understood that more and and like I know the gospel message I know that it's like I am saved by faith alone in Christ it is not me you know that it's grace his grace over me so um but when I became a mom oh my gosh this came up so much for me that perfectionism stuff just because I think I was so afraid like if I didn't do things perfectly how could I potentially harm my daughter you know what I mean if I like um didn't have a full handle on everything that if I haven't worked on everything in my own heart and my own life right if I didn't have it all 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 together and it's like I think what I ended up having to keep coming to is like guess what somehow, even if I don't intend it, I'm going to hurt her. I'm going to not do something well. And there's going to be my own stuff that I'm still working out that she's going to pick up on and so forth. And let's, let's differentiate. This is different than intentionally harming a child. That's a different level of things. You know, that's not okay. And in those situations, intervention needs to happen. That's what we hope for in the broken system that we have, right? That's a different thing, you know, because some of you may be sitting there saying, wait a second, I was harmed by my parents. Those were my abusers or whatever. That's different. That again, that's not okay. That requires intervention. But when we're talking about someone who's not intentionally trying to harm a child and we're not talking about abusive situations and so forth, we're just talking about you're trying your best, you're loving your child, you're providing for them, you know, their emotional needs, you're understanding as best you can, their developmental levels, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
um, we're still gonna, we're still gonna hurt our kids, you know, we're still gonna hurt them in the sense that we're not gonna, we can't be everything for them, because we're not God. So that is such a reminder of that continuous surrender that's necessary. Lord, I'm gonna do my best, but I have limitations. Yesterday with my daughter, I feel like it was like a crappy mom day. Like I I just was not as patient, not as fun, like playful. Cause she's still, she's a little toddler. So, you know, like I wasn't as engaging cause I really got into my head with my own stuff of like how imperfect I was. It was such an awareness of how imperfect I was, you know, and, but it's, it was such a good reminder again of like, Lord, but yet you are perfect and you love me and I am okay. And I'm not a terrible mom. And you have this better than I do and um, way better than I do. And you are ultimately her father in heaven. And this applies like you're the ultimate parent here. That applies, of course, for parenthood, right? We're not always talking about parenthood. I know that. But it's, again, I think we have to continuously come to this place of surrender. I am limited in what I can do. I will never be perfect. And if we base our worthiness on how perfect we are at some point it's going to fall apart we're going to recognize you know oh we failed or we messed up or whatever it is and so if our worthiness is based on that it's a really hard fall every time but if we come back to that place or if we have um more reliance of that position of like i know i'm imperfect i'm gonna do the best that i can in what I have, but ultimately I am trusting the Lord to surround me and cover me with his grace. I think we end up being able to walk the journey a little bit better and not so burdened, not so weighed down with like, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to work for it. I've got to, I've got to continue to hustle, you know, that whole attitude. That's just, it's exhausting, isn't it? It's so exhausting. So exhausting. And actually reminded me of a trap that I get myself into now, which is, um, okay. So if I wake up and I do, and this is, this just happens like naturally, it's not even something I'm thinking about, but if I wake up and I do a, B and C, you know, I follow a certain set of things that I do. And then I read my Bible right then and there, or right after that's done. Um, my day should go well right? Like you read your Bible, you got the word in you. So therefore everything should work. Right. And that is such a lie. (laughs) That is like, you read your Bible out of obedience. You don't read your Bible for the day to be set up. Well, (laughs) cause I hear, I hear Christian people say that all the time, like, and then read your Bible. And it's like, Okay, but just remember that's an act of obedience, not a um, because then that's the performance trap of your setting God in a place of going, God, um, look, I read the Bible, so therefore everything should go smooth today. And so we got to be careful with that too. Cause well, we get, we get these again, we try to, we try to figure it out. We try to be God. We try to have this formula, all those things. And I think so much of it, just like you've acknowledged, Nicole, is coming from a place of fear. Right. And so I think when we get into these, these things, when we get into these traps, when we believe these things, I think we need to recognize a lot of times it is coming from a place of fear and really take those fears as well. Right. To the oh, Lord. For yes. Healing of like, I, I am afraid at the end of the day, I'm afraid. Yeah. And that is okay. I, I, I'm, I didn't realize what a control freak I was until, I mean, I think I've always known, but 
it's really come on strong now that I have a kid that I'm taking care of. And yeah. so my husband doesn't do things the way that I do things. And so I'm like, you don't got to do it this way. Cause if you don't do it this way, and he's like, chill out lady, it's not a system that you have to follow in order to make him feel better. So I'm, I'm constantly having to ask myself what's, what's really going on here. And it's really that I'm afraid that he's going to have gas or I'm afraid that he's his stomach is going to hurt him or I'm afraid that whoever does eventually if it's not us take care of him they're not going to know what to do and so when those come into my mind the thing I've been trying to do is go god I'm so afraid I'm so afraid for him I'm so concerned for him can you help me and when you're able it literally has lightened my load because I'm able to just go I'm afraid of this. And, and doesn't that, isn't that what God wants us to do is get off of our hearts, what worries us and keeps us bound and put it at his feet. Even if it's literally a hundred times a day, you know, nothing, he's not going to go, okay, whoa, you're praying that too much. Like you're really afraid. Okay. (laughs) Right. He's So, so compassionate toward us. I'm like, and he knows, but how beautiful is it to say like to, for him, I think he shows us these, this wounds, these fears, all those things. And he allows us to bring these things back to him for healing. He doesn't force it upon us. Yeah. So it's so beautiful, Nicole, for you to take that back to him and surrender to him because he's a good father and wants to be there for you. Right. And that's hard for a lot of people that may not have had a father that was really loving and comforting. You know, my dad was, but at the same time, he was not very emotionally connected. So I couldn't just go to him and say, dad, I'm afraid. Hell no. I had to be like tough girl constantly. So that is hard for me. And don't think this comes easy just because I'm a Christian, like to be vulnerable with God is still hard and and to be vulnerable if maybe you're married and you like for me I have my my spouse is my confidant he's the person I bounce stuff off of and for me to go up to him and say babe I'm so afraid right now if it's hard for me because I want him to think that I'm like this badass and I've got it all together and all this stuff but what I found also is that my husband and I'm sure if you've got a loving husband that when you do do that, it connects you in a deep way. Cause every oh, time yeah. I do that, Raph pulls me in and he's like, babe, I am too. And don't worry, we got this. We're going to do this together. As long as I have you, we got this. And then I'm very comforted by that. Right. And I'm reminded you're not in this alone. And so hopefully yes. you have a spouse like that. And if you don't, maybe a friend, just calling up a friend and saying, I'm really afraid right now, or I'm really fearful, or I'm doing this thing that consistently like at work or whatever, because ultimately I'm afraid of losing my job or I'm afraid of this. It's yeah, really absolutely. refreshing to to let that go. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. It's that's so true. And I think, um, you know, just to even that example, you know, I want to go back to real quick to something you said before to Nicole about the seeing your heavenly father, right? It is true. If you're, um, if you had an earthly father or earthly parents that were, or, or do have them that were harmful, abusive, or any of those things, right. Or just mean and grumpy, who knows, right. It's a lot of times that is our first picture of who God is. And if that is for you, you like you struggle with like, how can I trust right? Because when I see God, when I think of God, the father, I think of my earthly experience of a dad, you know, and so forth. Um, The Lord can also heal that area. 
And so our encouragement would be to bring that to him and let him know it's really hard for me to hear these verses that talk about, you know, that you love us, that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're long suffering with us. You care about us tenderly. You know, you take care of us, all those things. And because when I see, think of you, I think of my earthly dad who was a mess or was abusive or was not there for me or who was checked out or, or non-existent. Um, God can heal that area too, because we need to be able to see it. It's so good. It's healthy to be able to see God for who he is and who he says he is separate from our earthly fathers. Yep. You know, even if they were pretty good and loved us well, thank God for that. Right. But they were still not God. They're not God. So God can heal that area. And I think it, we can pray for that too. All these things. Yeah. And so um, just to summarize, I mean, you may be hearing us say a lot of is pray about that and pray. And the reality is, is the reason why we're saying that is that maybe let's change it just for this conversation. Just talk to God about that, right? Have a open, honest dialogue with God. After you're hearing this, maybe turn this off when you're done and just start talking to God about the various things that we talked about, about having a performance mindset or a perfectionist mindset and that, and understanding that that's a lie and asking God for help with that. And then asking him, you know, talking to him about the fears that you have and the and the worries that you have just have a casual open dialogue with god about these things and see where it leads you see what happens so well yeah yeah well and i, I was going to say too i want to just add in real quick to nicole that i think you know let's say even like practically right like so we have the prayer part of it which i think is so important but i also think like how can we do this um, and some other practical ways, right? I think um, making that list, we've talked about in this in podcast before, I think it was a while, while back, but um, making that list of all of those things that you believe in your head that you realize, maybe you're starting to realize are not accurate, right? And then make right next to those inaccurate things, those things that are you're starting to maybe think are lies, right? Things you've come to believe that are not helping you. Um, on that, right next to it, write down what's actually true like what you're learning from this podcast or some good books you're reading or something. Like, I think this is actually true. And what's particularly powerful is writing down scripture Mm -hmm. that contradicts what the way in which you've been living or way what you've been believing write down scripture which is actually true the act of writing that down is really powerful um and helps you remember it too and then praying over that talking just like nicole said right talking with that safe friend or that safe counselor you know and through those things you know so you can dialogue that out more and like asking those people around you or that person around you next to you that you feel safe with like you know can you give me a reality check on this like this is what I'm thinking repeatedly, but I don't think it's helping me. I think this is actually a lie. It's not true. Like, give me a reality check. Give me an outside objective perspective on this. And I think those things can be so helpful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think we also need to be careful about who, practically speaking, we need to be careful about who we're letting speak into our lives. Like not everyone should have access to your innermost thoughts, right? Not everyone should be able to tell you their opinion, nope. you know, be careful who you follow on social media too. So many times people are spending time in social media, right? Who are you following and who are you listening to? Because those things, those people's voices, yeah. are they, oh my goodness, we are so influenced by those things, even if we don't realize it, like unfriend some yeah. people, please. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then one of the things I've had to do is although somebody is in line with my thinking, their way about it may be horrible and communicating like wrong. Cause what I've noticed is like society is so political right now. And I tend to lean that way too. But what I've noticed is that when I allow somebody's like nasty political way to sort of um, come like aggressively in sure. like come at me and I go, wait a minute, although we align, this is toxic. This is not a good, um, I don't need their way of thinking in my mind. So yeah. I mute them or I unfollow them because I have to go ultimately at the end of the day, how does their way of thinking or this way of thinking fall in line with scripture and what I know to be true for who God wants me to be. And that is, you know, light as a feather, like a dove um, approaching things with love and grace and mercy and not always feeling like everything has to be a big thing, right? Like an attacking thing. So yeah, we do have to be really careful. And I, I would say this, Jesus is a perfect example of friends of what we need as friends. And that is he had 12 disciples. That was the outer fringe group, right? You can have lots and lots of friends, but he had three disciples that he took with him into the inner parts of his life, into the deep things, right? He brought three of them up to the mountain where they saw God, they, they, or they heard from God, yeah. right? Yeah. That's intimacy. That's really deep. He didn't bring everyone. He only brought those three. And then, and then he's got Paul, um, sorry, Peter, who he was very intimate with, right? And he spoke, you know, super sweetly with and so for me, I liked, I, I have done this. I put friends on sticky notes and I said, cause I was going through a very confusing stage one time. And I put a group of girls that I just knew were not people that I need to share everything with. And I stuck them there. And then I put friends on another sticky note that I knew I could share everything with. And then I've just put, who's my like go-to. Right. And then when that person in sticky note number three, whatever, tried to get information or tried to get into a place of intimacy with me that was two, that sticky note two, and they didn't do anything to prove that they were sticky note two worthy, I just kept saying to myself, you don't need to bring them to sticky two. You just stay here right there with them. And That's that really has helped me so much because I don't expose things that they don't need to know. I don't let them into parts of my heart that they don't need to know. And it keeps me safe. Yep. Yeah. That's really good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the Bible talks about bad company corrupts, good character. I and just heard that are in, yes. Right. We are influenced by the people around us. So we think we, we need to be, it's okay to be discerning. Yep. I mean, it's okay to be better said or more clearly said, it's okay to be cautious, cautious and okay to be cautious and, 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 um, choose who you want to be around you. Yep. Amen. Well, um, I hope that this was life giving to you guys. I really enjoyed putting this together. I really enjoyed talking about this with you. I definitely am leaving here have learned a lot and learned a lot about myself and just some of the areas that I would like to bring to God, even after I'm done here and just kind of talk with him about, and I hope you guys do the same. And just, we're so thankful for, for our listeners. We're so thankful for you guys trusting us every month and coming back. And I've definitely seen, um, an increase in listeners and I'm so grateful for anyone who gives us a try and listens and stays with us. It's, it's, it's like, literally like 
it's like getting a rose every month Mm -hmm. (laughs) at your doorstep. It's just, it really blesses me. So thank you again for trusting us. We love you guys. And we will see you next month for lie number two. Thanks, Kristen, for being here. Absolutely. Bye guys. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.